0: Hey, good morning! Welcome. Thank you for being part of Mariners this morning. I'm Paul. I am one of the pastors here, and it's terrific to see um, you guys—you guys—being uh, here. Um, on my left, right here, um, something that's really important to us, probably one of the most important things that can happen here. Every time somebody makes a personal decision for Christ, and 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 we find out about it, we we pull a, a rosebud up here. And so, this past week, somebody right after the second service. Last week said, "Okay, I'm done. I, I not I'm done, but I'm here." <laughs> but sometimes you have to go there. You know, you have to say, "I'm done with myself, and I want Jesus." And so, there we go. So right, right there. So somebody did did make that. So awesome. That's that's really, really, really wonderful. Um, some of you may have received uh, an email this past week talking about kind of the church's finances, and we'd love to finish. Uh, this year in the black, if we can. Um, if not, we know God's in control of all this stuff, and so we encourage you, if you want, to give a little extra gift, that would be wonderful. Um, and, and again, we're comfortable and relaxed with what God calls you to do, and so so um, just want to let you know like that. But what's really cool about about, I love about this church family is Ten um, percent of everything that we get in from from all offerings we give we give away, we give back, we give back to the community, we give back to people and individuals, those that are in need, those that are challenged, those that are struggling, going through maybe a hard time, we just simply said, um, and this was funny, it was a time when we were in real financial need as a church family. The decision was made on what are we, we going to do about our tight finances well why don 't we start giving more away and once we did that, it seemed like all the all the worry just goes away you know, and, and that 's true, I think for our own lives. As well, um, and so we do do that. The, the, you're, you know, right in our own neighborhood, um, well, backyard almost. The Paradise Fire. There's a lot of victims from that. You know the people. I mean, I mean, a lot of them, you your former neighbors or relatives. Um, our intern for this past summer, her family, she had a call and all of a sudden, said your, your, your house is gone. It's just, it's just gone. And so, um, um, God has been able to bless us in a way that we can now bless others. And so. Somebody asked, "Well, what are we doing for the Paradise Fire?" And we're finding the best organizations that we can, the best people we can. And by the end of this year, Lord willing, we're going to have given about forty thousand um, dollars to help with that, and that's you guys. So that's just a that's just a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and that's just that's just the heart of this church and the heart of you guys. And so, but can we pray for them right now and just just pray for this time now, Lord? Thank you, thank you that we've been able to worship to you, the um, God who deserves it and um, loves us so much, and thank you that, um, who are we that we can give back to you, God, and um, what are our gifts, that you will use them in great ways, and we, we pray that they would. Um, now, Father, for this time, I pray that you bless it and help us to grow, give me the right words in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. How many of you have had your mouths get you into trouble um, sometime in your life? Anybody? Yeah, I, I see a big hands wave. <laughs> Two hands up, you know. <laughs> recently? Anybody recently, you know? Uh, yeah, it, it, it happens, isn't it? But of all the things that can get us, cause us problems, it's the mouth. I think, is one of the the worst things. We're in a series that we are calling My Big Fat Mouth, and and boy, what, um, what a better time to talk about this stuff than the holiday season, because during this time, boy, we interact with a lot of people, and we got a lot of tension going on, and a lot of stuff and stress and busyness, and then we interact with people. And all those things are not a great combination for our mouths, are they? We can end up saying stuff that gets us in, in in trouble and and all kinds of issues and challenges that can go that way and 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 one of the problems is is it's it 's when you 're around a lot of people it 's really becomes really easy to criticize isn 't it i mean isn 't it particularly when you 're around folks that you know aren 't quite like you or don 't quite do the things the way you do certain things or maybe some of you have you know, you know, in-laws or some of you have family members that are just a little bit, you know, off and, and you all just can't wait till after the meeting, you know, or after the dinner to get back in the car and what? We say, you know, you had roast beef for dinner and you're going to have roast in-law on the way home, you, you know, because you just, you just, you just chew them apart, you know, because there's just that cousin that's a little off or that sister-in-law that's just a little different or that brother-in-law or that niece or nephew. It's <laughs> like, you know, we, we, we have to talk about it and it becomes really, really easy. To criticize, and and that's what we want to spend a few minutes talking about this whole deal called criticism and how we can we can stop it. You know how we can move away from that and, and all the, the crud that happens with it. Now last week, Pastor Land he talked t- um, to us about complaining, and we're going to talk about criticism. And it's a it's a legitimate question: what's the difference between complaining and criticism? You know, there's a little bit of a difference. They're, they overlap quite a bit. Complaining tends to be more about situations and circumstances doesn 't it I mean situations and circumstances um, last week we we drove down to l a for Thanksgiving, and I was on i five for um, thirty nine hours it seemed like because you know you you go, from, you go from eighty to eight you know miles an hour you know just, and it just stops and you 're on it for forever and ever amen and 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 you want to tend. <laughs> To, to complain, you know, you complain about, about the traffic. Complaining tends to be more about situations, stuff, circumstances. Criticism tends to be more about what? People, doesn't it? People. You tend to be critical of, of people and you criticize people and And because there are so many people there 's a lot to work with you know there 's an awful lot that you can you can do with it the way they drive, the way they keep house, the way they dress, the way they dress their kids, the way they dress their dog, you know the what they post on Instagram, um, how they eat, what they eat, where they 're going on vacation, and how can they afford it you know those kinds of things um, and it 's not just family and in laws it 's even within our own households. you know we start to develop critical attitudes or critical spirits or critical thoughts towards them. And uh, don't just say, man, I, I hope my spouse is listening, you know, and do this kind of thing, or I wish my boss would listen to this. We, we can't say that because the solution always starts where? With us. And this is my big fat mouth, you know, my big fat mouth, not their big fat mouth. <laughs> and it's our job to see where God really is leading us. Once there's a group of people, and they gather together um, to help others know Jesus and to grow together in their faith in Christ, and they would gather each week. We call that kind of a situation a what? A church, that's what a church is, okay? It's not a building, it's not a service, it's not a service time, it's the people that come together and gather and grow in their faith. And, and they got this letter of instruction from a guy named Paul who helped plant this church and he's writing to them to encourage them and help them understand certain concepts. And it said this, one of the statements he makes is, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. You like that? I like that. I mean, I really like that. You take all the Old Testament laws in regards to how they relate and how you're supposed to treat each other, and he's saying, man, let's just sum it up in one command. Love your neighbor as as you love yourself. There it is. It's all really compact. But then he goes on to kind of help us understand what that looks like. He says this, but if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. And now he's talking about criticism and critical words. And what he's saying is these things just chew people up. You know, they just chew you up. And, and, and what he's saying here is, look, look if, if, if I'm chewing you up and you're chewing me up, um, then we're going to be all what? Chewed. We're going to be all chewed up, you know, both of us. And chewed up people aren't very good for much of anything at all. Critical words chew up. Critical words just eat things away. They they destroy, they wreck things. They, they, they wreck intimacy and in marriage, closeness. They destroy friendships. They wreck you. It creates just huge walls between parents and kids. I mean, it just simply happens. There's this, this passage of scripture that says this: Fathers, don't exasperate your children so they'll not lose heart. Exasperation means you've criticized them so much that they just finally say, I give up. Forget it. Forget it. I'm done. I'm done with this. You know, I'm done with this. I've told you the story. My dad's favorite comment to me whenever I'd be working on something in the garage or under the hood of my car, when you could still fix something that was under the hood of your car, you know, or you could do that. He'd always come out and his first words were always, can't fix it, huh? Can't fix it, huh? And that thing just bounced in my head. All of life. In fact, when I was about 20 years ago, they came up to visit us, and there was a hose that was disconnected. It was the water hose to the windshield wiper. And I opened the hood of the car, and I'm getting ready to plug it in. My dad comes out and says what? Can't fix it, huh? And all of a sudden, everything in adolescence comes roaring back, you know? Criticism can just exasperate. Destroy relationships, ruin closeness. Why um, um um why do I criticize? Why do we do this? You know how come? How come? How come we go there so often? You know how come we so often go there? And and I think sometimes figuring out how come helps me stop. If I can figure out some of the how comes, it can it can help me stop. And if you'd like to take notes, here's 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 now the time. First of all, because of my nature, or because of my sin nature, and I don't want to theologically lose you on on this one. But, but the Bible says very clearly, we are broken people. We're, we're, we're broken people. That's a recurring theme, not just in the Bible. It's in history. We're just broken. You ever wonder why things aren't a whole lot better today than they were five years ago, ten years ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago? In fact, if anything, they're not better. They're what? They're worse. It's because of sin nature and humanity. And, and, and because of that, and because we're broken people, and we have this kind of sentient stuff within us, we tend to look oftentimes at the worst before we look at the better, okay? We tend to oftentimes see the flaw before we see, before we see the good. And, and so you go to the Christmas family gathering or wherever you go, and you're not all that up on this family anyway, and you'd rather be at home watching football or Real Housewives, even Elf, you'd rather watch that, you know, the... Christmas movie ever made, but anyway, you can do that. And 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 it all starts with how unclean their place is, you know? And you start looking around the corner of the of the floor and you just think, oh man, you know, you'd think they would have done a little bit better to clean this place up. Or how expensive maybe is their stuff, and they shouldn't be able to afford this. Or how pet many pets they have, or man, she's in her forties and she still dresses like a teenager. You know, you see these thoughts that kind of begin to roll in our heads? You know, they just kind of roll right through, roll right through, roll, roll right through. You know, and on the way home, you take a detour on a critical road. I mean, you just go critical path. All the way through, you just become critical. Devil's called the accuser. Um, The devil is, and he accuses people day in and day out, and he finds fault day in and day out. Finds fault, and when I criticize, guess who I'm beginning to sound like? So it's because of our sin nature, and, and we'll talk about how that has to change in just a second. Number two, it makes me look better. It's so silly. so silly on this one, but it's true. Um, um, we try and do this. If I can put you down, well, I think I can look better. Okay? If I can put you down, push you down this way, then somehow I feel better, you know. I feel better about me. And the only problem is is I, I will put others down only in the areas that I'm what? I'm good at I'm better at. That's the thing. I'll compare me to you, you know, only in the areas that I'm better with you at. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm better. I'm better than you than that. I won't look at the ways that you're better than me. I won't do that. You know, why not? Because that's going to make me feel worse. And so I try and think it's going to make me look better. What a crazy way to build ourselves up, isn't it? I mean, just, just a nutso way to do that. But we will do that. And sometimes we'll criticize others before other people just so we can hopefully make ourselves feel better or look better in, the, in their eyes. Third way is that we just don't understand what they're going through. We just don't get it. I don't understand what they went through even just to get this far. You know? We don't get it. And so we criticize them for this, for these issues. And we don't understand that they've had to come miles just to get here. And we might be here, and maybe we only had to go from here to here to get to this point, And they've had to come miles just to get to this point in their life. Okay? We don't understand that. And if we were in their position and had to start here, maybe we would be right about here now. Make sense? Um, take basic psychology. Gosh, and you learn... We're very complicated people. Alcoholic father, the trauma here, an absentee mom. Um, those things can throw a kid into a whole pattern, issues that take forever to come out of. I'll criticize from a distance that which I know nothing about. Um, one area I stopped criticizing, I was, I'm driving, and this person is going way too slow, you know. <laughs> And I mean slow, slow. And 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 I, and I left late, you know. Anyway, and now they're going slow. And if I'm going to end up being late, it's all whose fault? It's all their fault. Now it's all their fault, even though I, I'm the one that left late. And anyway, finally I was able to pass it. And it was this tiny, tiny senior woman, just just really senior woman who's driving, you know. And she's really small. And she's you know trying to trying to trying to see over all this kind of stuff. And and you know, I drove by and I looked and I and I'm thinking. My mom is tiny. My mom is 91 and is still driving, okay, still driving. And she drives slow. Don't you dare criticize my mom. You know, it's one of those things. And I thought, this is somebody's mom, you know, this is someone's grandma. And she's doing the best she can. Um, this gets a little scary um, when Jesus talks to us about it. He says this, you have, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder if you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. And and, and I got it, Jesus, thank you. And this is not a bad verse for me, I don't, I don't mind this one. Um, I'm subject to judgment if I murder somebody, got it. And last time I checked, you know, I haven't murdered anybody, you know, so I'm feeling... Pretty good about myself, Jesus. Thank you, you know, for that. And I'd be fine if Jesus stopped here. Jesus never stops there. He never stops. Because he's going to now talk about something a whole lot deeper. He says, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. Here's what I'm telling you now. Here's the way it's going to be now. If you call somebody an idiot, criticism, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone you're in danger of the fires of hell. Physical murder kills a person's body. Harsh criticism kills a person's spirit, their soul, their reputation, their life in somebody else's eyes. What you're saying basically when you criticize is God screwed up when he made that person that way. God, you really screwed up. And Jesus said, it's just, Um, we, just, we just have no idea when we criticize someone what it does to them. I know what it does to me. if I criticize in secret, you know what it does. They are devalued in my eyes, completely devalued in my eyes. Um, and I know what it happens in other people's eyes when I criticize them. They now devalue that person and think less and think less of them. Um, criticize your spouse. do you know what it does to their self-esteem? You belittle your daughter or your son. It does damage. It does damage. to last for a long time. Now, how, how, do, we, how do we work to get rid of this? How do we get rid of said Len said this, If I have problems with my mouth, I've got to check my heart. And that's a great statement. Problems with my mouth, check my heart, because that's really where the root is. Jesus said it this way. He said, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Okay? And now are we feeling bad yet? Because this is really hard. But it's so true, isn't it? You know, what they say is what's in the well comes up in the bucket. You know, and that's really true. So how can I move from being a critical person to an affirming person? Because this is what we want to do. We want to make that turn. We've make that. We got to make that change. First of all, here we go. First one on, on this one, and this one's the most important part, maybe the most important thing I could say this morning. You have to catch the grace of God. You've got to catch the grace of God. If, if what is in the heart is going to come up in the mouth, then the heart has to change. Um, I use the term catch on purpose because God says this to me. See to it that no one misses the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble, and defile many. Let's look at the last part, if, if we can, first. What it's saying is a bitter root can grow up and cause trouble. A bitter root in me makes me a bitter what? A bitter person, okay? If there's a bitter root in me, it's going to make me a bitter person. What's in the root, here's another statement, here's what, what's in the root is going to be shown in the what? In the fruit, you know? Whatever's in the root is going to be shown up in the fruit. And so if i got a bitter root, it's going to show up in the fruit of my of my life, A bitter person ruins other people. And the only way we can have that change, and that's the first part, when it says that that there's a grace of God comes into our lives. And we can avoid a bitter root if we can catch the grace of God. Catch it. Now, he says in the negative, make sure you don't miss it. And it can be missed. You know, all of a sudden it's tossed to you like, like a softball or a big ball is tossed to you. And you can, you know, whoops. You know, you can miss it, and you miss it, and all of a sudden your life doesn't change. But if you catch it, that's when the grace of God begins to hit your life. And God tosses it to us so that we can catch it. Now, grace is God looking at my critical heart and my selfishness and all the damage I've done because of it. And instead of condemning me for it, which he could... He says, okay, I will give you, instead of punishment for it, I will give you grace. I will give you forgiveness. And what happens to all the sin and the crud that I've done? Well, what God does, and this is why Jesus is like the most important thing for us, what a wonderful name it is, all that sin and crud was placed on Jesus, and Jesus was killed on the cross, so your punishment is done. That's grace. Grace. So when he looks at you, he sees no sin. When you place your sin upon Jesus, that's catching the grace. And you can hear it, but miss it. Hear it and miss it. And that's why we say it has to be personal to you. God gives it freely, and he gives it kindly, and it must be received, and it must be caught. The person who is represented by this flower here has been in church a long, long time, and he finally... Said, okay, (laughs) what I say first, I'm done. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm finished with the me part of trying to be right with God, and I'm going to give it to Jesus alone. And there's the sense of freedom and grace comes in. Second thing, that changes the root, and that will change the fruit. Second, Ask others to recognize and help me with my weak spots. And this is why we gather together. You know, the Bible says encourage each other in love and good works and good things and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and I will slip back into old habits, especially with my big fat mouth. And especially after we spent time with trying people, and so, so you know, we we've we've talked about the person that you know. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to see him again. I just saw him at Thanksgiving, and I got to see him again in three weeks. You know, for Christmas time. And what do we do on this one? You know, Um, so if I'm serious about this, and this is where we have each other to help, if I'm serious about this, about what Jesus said, I will say to somebody. Hey, look! I've got this problem with criticism with this one relative, or this one friend. In fact, the problem is so bad I actually look forward to meeting with them because I can criticize them, and I have a lot of fun doing it. But I know it's not right. I know, it, even though I enjoy it, that's the wrong part of me that's coming up. Will you will you ask me in a week how I did with my time with them? Will you ask me? Please ask me. Ask me the words about the words I shared. Ask me about the thoughts I had going into this. Ask me how I built them up instead of tearing them down. But I need you to ask me. All of a sudden, you're on the hook now, aren't you? Aren't you? You know? All of a sudden, you know, man, if they're a good friend, they will ask you. And you're cognizant of it, and you're now accountable, which is a good thing. First of all, number one, you'll feel on the hook about it. Number two, you'll feel healthy because you're now doing an emotionally, mentally, and spiritually healthy thing to do. And then when you're done, you can report back to them and say, hey, here's what happened during that time. And that gives you then the strength, even just simply by confessing that there's a problem and getting accountable That you could you could ignore their habits and see life through their eyes, get rid of the smugness when you when you when you criticize them. I had to do that over Thanksgiving. I asked a friend, "You got to help me here. You got to hold me accountable. Ask me how I did." And the smugness that I get when I criticize was was replaced with another emotion, and that was love towards that person. This stuff works. It does work. It has to work because Jesus said it would. The Bible says this, not a suggestion, by the way, it's a command. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Again, not a suggestion, it's a command. Only what is helpful for building others up according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. Enter into the holiday season with Alan. Last one, and then we're going to actually move to the Lord's Supper this morning. Live out this verse. Just live out this verse. This is a good one to memorize. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There we go. There we go. Criticism goes away. People's lives are built up, people's lives get changed because now your words are looking and affirming for the things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and worthy of praise. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up right now. We're going to do something that is so cool. Um, I love it. And um, what this does is is it symbolizes really who we are and what God has done in our lives. This is the grace of God. Okay, This is the symbols of the grace of God, how it was man, really given to us. Around the room, there's little tables, you know, back there and back there, and, and then up front as well. And on those little tables, where we have these little trays, and, and on trays, we have little crackers. We call this the bread. Um, they're there. And there's little cups, and they're filled with juice. Um, the bread symbolizes... Well, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my body, and it's Christmas time, and what Christmas is, it's not just simply a baby in a manger, it's God taking on flesh and blood. So when Jesus said, this is my body, this is what he's saying, I came down, I came down. So when Jesus said, this is my body, he's saying, I came down for you. I want you to remember that. And the remembrance is the sense of saying that you're, 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 you're embracing that. You're owning that. You're saying, I believe in that. This is my life. And, and, and the cup symbolizes, well, Jesus said, this is my blood. Because Jesus did not just simply grow up. He died on a cross. And this is the suffering, the penalty for our sins. He shed his blood because you deserved it but he did it and gives us grace. And when you take, you're saying, I embrace that, I own that, I hold on to that. We're going to take together as a church family, what we're going to do is, after I pray, a is going to be sung, and then you're welcome to come and take the elements. Hold on to them as you go back to your seat, if you would, because we like to take together as a sign of unity as a church family. But I'm going to invite you to just bow with me for a moment as we pray prepare our hearts now. Lord, thank you. Jesus, the honor is due to you because you gave your life for us and you loved us enough to die on the cross. That satisfied justice and gives us grace and mercy and now peace with the eternal God. Father, maybe people here who this is the first time they've heard this or it's made sense to them and maybe they're saying, (laughs) I'm finished. (laughs) I'm finished with trying to do this spiritual thing myself. I need Jesus to do it in me, for me, to me. Thank you, Lord, that we can remember this. Thank you that we can remember that you died on the cross. And you love us this much. Bless our worship time now in Jesus' name.